If you worry about your own or someone else's mental health, don't remain unannounced. Start the conversation and access support. Visit www.stagechelly.com.au slash get help for a list of services. This week's episode of Unannounced is probably brought to you by Borders by the Bay. Be sure to join the movement by using the code UNANNOUNCED15 at the checkout for a cheeky discount off your order. On this week's episode, I'll be chatting to Paralympic gold medalist and world record holder Lakeisha Lucky Patterson. Lucky and I spoke about her rise to becoming a world champion, her struggles and triumphs, and so much more. Hope you enjoy. Well, um, usually how I like to start, I just like to get the, um, I guess, the guests to sort of give us an introduction on themselves. So sort of their school background and their childhood and sort of just go from there really. Okay, well, I guess a little bit of background behind me. I was born in Albury-Wodonga, which is a very small town in in Victoria, before moving to Queensland when I was three. But essentially, I, I was born... Um, it was a bit of a bit of trauma during birth. So I was born like breech, blue, not breathing. Um, I had a stroke at birth, which led to me later on being diagnosed with cerebral palsy um, down the left side of my body, which pretty much just impacts like balance, coordination, muscle tone and stiffness and things like that. And then also diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of five and micrographia a bit later on as well, which means that my writing is extremely minute. So it kind of just looks like dots joined together on a page, um, which is not ideal in a world that, you know, requires writing all the time, but (laughs) kind of got through that. But yeah, essentially, I guess growing up with these kinds of conditions meant life was a little bit challenging, but I'm one of three girls um, in my household, three sisters, and I'm the middle child. So I think growing up with my sisters and, you know, they kind of taught me that, you know, I'm just the same as everyone else. I I wasn't really viewed as any different, which I think was pretty um, amazing and really helped me. And I think that was also instilled by my mum, We pretty much grew up, um, just my mum in the household, after she fled from a domestic violence situation towards her and and my sisters. So I think that was around five or or, or so. So from since since then, it's just been us four girls. And I think I've really learned from a very young age, you know, the art of resilience and just being able to get back up after every time I was knocked down. And, And for me, finding a place of comfort was key to, to, I guess, I don't know, finding out who I was. And and for me, that was through sport. And mum, even though she literally left with just us kids, the car and the cat, she didn't have much, but she was also always willing to kind of give us the opportunities that she felt that we deserved. And with the help from an incredible community around us, we were able to experience new things so we try different sports I'm a very competitive growing up with two other sisters so everything they did I tried to do including you know athletics dancing um even karate but I quickly realized that land sports and I don't really get along the balance wasn't quite there so it wasn't until I started swimming that I really felt like I'd found something that worked for me for me swimming it was a form of physical therapy initially and, you know, being able to learn how to swim in Australia is extremely vital. Then it started to be more than that. I, I felt like, you know, I could move my muscles so much easier 
than I could on land. And I just got addicted to the feeling. It, it was pretty incredible. So um, started, you know, doing that more and I wanted to be able to keep up with my sisters. So I had to keep going back and then, yeah, I just kind of kept at it from there. And I guess that's just a little bit about my background. Yeah, no, that's awesome. We'll obviously touch on um, obviously your birth and all the issues you had to go through. Um, you touched on there before with how your sisters straight away sort of set you aside and just told you that you're exactly the same as them and they sort of just treated you the same as them. What did that sort of do for you, I guess, at a young age, obviously with self-confidence and I don't know, being a girl is already a whole world of, you know, you get the whole boys and all that sort of stuff. What did that sort of do for your self-confidence and, you know, I guess, your self-belief? Yeah, definitely. I think they definitely helped instill this confidence within me that I guess the rest of the world kind of, you know, tries to push this opinion on you, especially young girls growing up. I think in, in the society we are in today, like everything is so emphasised on body image and you have to look this certain way. And I, I know... Um, guys experience these things too but I guess that back when I was growing up it was a lot more targeted towards young girls and also you know if you're growing up with a disability and kind of growing up in a small town I knew that I was different there wasn't many people around that had cerebral palsy or looked different so for me it, it was hard initially kind of I'm seeing these people that quite clearly don't look like I do but then having that support around me telling telling me that I am who I am and if people can't accept that then that's their problem and I think once I took that on board myself and started to to realize that and embrace it I think that really helped and and then because I was able to have that confidence in in myself and I I knew that yes my body was a little bit different and I I moved a little bit differently but they were also my strengths as well and I think being able to just be confident in who I was, then really, I guess, I don't know, that kind of emitted onto other people and then they saw how confident I was and it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, maybe we should not treat her any different because she is just like us at the end of the day. Like, I'm, I'm a human as well. So I think um, that's something that's really stuck with me since, since that really young age. When did you sort of start to notice that, I guess, you had this condition that sort of affected how you lived and sort of how you got on with your daily life? I think it was probably around primary school. I think oh, maybe like, and, and towards primary school, um, start of high school, for, for me initially very young as well, also having pretty bad epilepsy back then and having, you know, seizures all the time. And every time I would have a seizure, I would forget basic tasks, tasks I didn't, do every single day like riding a bike and you know so my, my balance back then was horrible so I was always falling over and I would see all these people just laugh at me every time I'd fall over and yeah that's I guess you know a moment when you realize like hey how come nobody else faces these challenges that I do and yeah I think that's hard when you're just trying to like for, for me I've grown up with this so it's it's my new normal but um some other people obviously don't understand and haven't been around people in situations like that and don't have that kind of same education around, you know, different disabilities and people from different cultural backgrounds and all these kind of minority groups that people don't talk about in terms of, um, you know, adults don't talk to their children and educate them. So then they have a view on us, which is, yeah, kind of really degrading and, and 
yeah, it doesn't, doesn't help make you feel any better. But again, having that support around me and once I just kind of embraced it and, you know, let people know and was so upfront about it, said, hey, yeah, my name's Lucky. This is who I am. Love me or leave me. And yeah, I didn't really care about anything else. Yeah, no, that's a really good way of looking at it and going about life. On that though, so obviously, I don't know if your mindset was always like that, obviously being pretty young and that happening to you. What was school like for you? You touched on, I guess, the whole education, people having their own views. Were, were there times at school where you just maybe didn't even go to school, you were just so distant with people because you were scared of what they were going to sort of think or say about you? I don't really remember, to be honest. I don't remember a whole lot of primary school. But I think, yeah, moving into like high school, initially, the first few years, like grade eight and nine, just starting out, I was so anxious about you know, what people would think and what people would say. And, you know, going from a very small primary school into a pretty large high school, it is kind of overwhelming because, yeah, I'm, you know, embracing going into my teenage years and I guess having a whole, you know, broader kettle of fish of people around me, it is quite daunting. And I think initially the first few weeks were quite stressful. Um, We're a couple of, you know, bad days coming home, like, mum, I don't want to go back. But she she kind of helped me push through it and got me to realize that, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. Keep, keep going back, just get back up again. And I then leaned on the support of the school, which was really good. And then, um, and then after that, I think once I made a few friends, you know, I just felt normal again. Like I just felt like, you know, nothing else was different. And then I was able to, you know, kind of regain that confidence again, once I got into a routine and, I was able to, yeah, I guess just like find my feet um, and yeah, em- embrace that. You touched on swimming before, using swimming as sort of a, a way to sort of deal with what you're going through. When did that sort of start for you? And when did it, I guess, turn from just using as a coping strategy to I'm pretty good at this and I want to continue doing this? It was around five years old when I started swimming initially just for that therapy and, you know, vital life lessons. But for me, it wasn't until I was around... 12, 13 years old until I saw the London 2012 Paralympic Games on TV. And for me, that was a very pivotal moment in in my life. Um, up until then, you know, I was quite young, kind of in, in a small local community, um, you know, not having many disabled people around and kind of being a little bit sheltered. I never really you know, witnessed other people with disabilities before and had never seen Parasport live on television or, or broadcast anywhere. So I think watching those London 2012 games was pretty breathtaking and extraordinary, seeing all these athletes from various countries around the world with an array of disabilities, some like me, some... You see all these people, sometimes it's so easy to think like, oh, you know, why me? Like, my situation is pretty crap, but then you see other people who are, are even more challenged than you are. And it really just puts life into perspective. Like, Hey, like, you know, I'm going to be okay. Like I've got this. Um, If they can do that, then, then I certainly can. And so watching all these athletes was absolutely inspiring and seeing them, you know, break records or do personal bests and represent their country. For me, that was like, okay, this is what I want to do. So I told mum then and there after I was watching the Australians compete in the swimming. And for me at the time, swimming was pretty big in my life. I was like, okay, mum, you're going to see me at the next Paralympic Games in Rio in four years time and I'm going to win a gold medal. 
And I think at the time, like looking back on it, it was <laughs> pretty ambitious. You know, only just started kind of like, kind of taking swimming a little bit seriously. We didn't even know where to start. So it was, it was pretty insane. But I think from then on, I then had a goal and something that I could work towards and something that I really enjoyed. So from then I had to become classified so that I could compete in Paralympic sporting events. So I got classified as a para swimmer. From there, I just started doing, you know, state and local meets, trying to, you know, get my times up and improve. Um, within a year of kind of competing, I made the national development team. So kind of the youth team to be recognized for my, I guess, potential to possibly be on a team one, one day. Started doing more national events, um, competing for Queensland at school champs. Following year, so one year after, I guess, competing uh, nationally, I made my first Australian team at 15 to the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow in 2014. So it was a, a pretty um, quick journey from, from then on and, yeah, have been representing Australia since then. When you told your mum that you're going to go to the Olympics in Rio, did you truly believe that or? You know what, like at, at the time, I think I actually really thought I could do it. I think it, it was obviously a very ambitious goal, but I think for me growing up and overcoming so many things that I already had in my life, I just kind of saw it, you know, just, just another thing that I could do to prove to myself and everyone else around me that no matter your circumstances, you can achieve anything you put your mind to it kind of then gave me a purpose. I think we're all put on this earth for a reason and we're all kind of here to try and find our purpose and, and our why. And for me, I felt like I had finally found my why. My purpose was to be able to swim and inspire others and share my story to, to motivate others to reach and tap into their inner potential that they might not be aware of. So being able to kind of have that then as a goal and being able to work towards that, it just kept me going. And, you know, so instead of just, you know, sitting back and being like, okay, well, this is the hands life has dealt me. I'm just going to, you know, coast through life. Like that's not my style. So mm. it, it gave me something to work towards and swimming for me. What, what I love about it is there's always ways to improve. So there's always something that you can do. So there's always, yes, that, that big goal of, you know, making the Paralympic Games, maybe it'll happen and maybe it won't. But you break that down into tiny goals to try and achieve mm -hmm. along the way. And yeah, it just, it just gave me a purpose and a reason to keep going and keep fighting. It helps me, you know, get motivated. It helps me with so many other areas of my life, like you know, time management. I was then, you know, doing better at school. I was more focused. I could walk easier. So it, it was a no-brainer for me. And then once I kind of applied myself to that hard work, um, then I was starting to see the results. And then I guess, you know, the, the more I did, the closer I inched to that goal and, you know, the more realistic it was becoming. To get classified. Can you sort of touch on that and sort of what that means and sort of also what sort of happens when, you, when you're going to get classified? Yeah, no, I think it's, um, it can be very confusing to I guess the general public when you talk about Paralympic sports because every single sport is completely different. So essentially to become um, a Paralympic athlete, you have to have some kind of disability, but every sport has a different process on how they evaluate an athlete. So um, for swimming, for example, there's 14 classifications. So 
an S1 to an S10 is a physical class classification, um, one being, I guess, the most severely disabled, 10 being, I guess, minimal compared to what their standards are. And 11 to a 13 is a visual impairment. Um, again, 11 being um, the worst, 13 being, I guess, the least for their standards, and an S14 is an intellectual impairment. So I was classified in um, the physical range, a 1 to a 10. Essentially what you have to do, because I have cerebral palsy, you, you go into this, I guess, classification room. There's a bunch of um, medical professionals that, you know, look at my range of mo motion, do all these land-based tests on a bench to kind of see your strengths and weaknesses, where they lie in relation to swimming movements. And then we do a water test so that they can see how I move in the water. And again, looking at specific stroke things, speed, times, it's quite a big process. And then they yeah. also, if you're trying to be classified at an international level, then they'll also watch you compete at a competition um, in that setting so that they can, I guess, assess you in that kind of environment and, and make sure that you are where you are. So it's a very, I guess, lengthy and sometimes stressful process. But yeah, that, that's what they do to ensure that you're competing against other people with similar abilities to yourself. So back on the whole goal of wanting to um, reach the next Olympics in the next four years. So 2014, you received your first Australian cap. What did that sort mm -hmm. of do for you? Like, not only as an achievement, as something you've been sort of working for for a long time, but also coming back to the whole finding your why and finding your purpose. So what did that sort of do for you personally? I think it really just reinforced that I was on the right track and everything that I'd been doing previously was working in it. And it kind of showed to myself that, hey, I can do this. And, you know, with, with hard work and, you know, being on that grind every single day, like it's not just pointless. It's, it's all for a reason and um, it's all worthwhile. So for me, I think it really just validated that what I was doing was right and that I was on the right track and, hey, yeah, this is for me and this, this is what I am built to be doing. So I think it really then ignited that fire to continue and to, you know, not just make a team but, you know, actually make an impact and show people what I'm actually capable of. And so I think, yeah, it definitely made me hungrier for more and, and to, to achieve more and push myself more and see what else I could do. You know, I'd, I'd come all this way in a relatively short amount of time, I think. Obviously, I'd been working pretty hard for a long time beforehand, but I guess the whole process went quite quickly and I wanted to prove that I am capable of this. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just such a surreal experience, I think, representing Australia for the very first time on the international stage and being only 15 at the time, like being quite young. It was it was extremely overwhelming. But, you know, I, I was on a team surrounded by all these people older than me. So I think I had to mature quite quickly mm. and, and grow mm. up. And I think that definitely helped change my view and perspective on life in general. And then I think, you know, then coming back to school like you know yeah I just represented Australia but I think then coming back and just having to go to school the next day just kind of life was normal but I then you know had this new perspective on how to deal with things that came up in my way and you know not let petty little drama impact me anymore because I was like okay well I know how to deal with this I've had all this um, experience and knowledge passed down on me through all these other people around me I think that definitely helped me you mentioned you were still 15 at school and sort of just 
I guess, that whole aspect of being a, a professional swimmer, but also trying to complete high school. How did you sort of um, juggle both of those? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely really hard. So for as long as I know, I've known, I've, I've literally been a student athlete. So it's, it's definitely difficult. And I, well, I thought at the time high school and sport was hard. Now university and sport is a whole new level. I, I was very fortunate to have a very supportive school and people around me. And I think, you know, coming back initially when I first, you know, made my team and, and coming back into school, it, it was a pretty cool experience because I think then people viewed me in a different way. They were like, okay, she's not just this person with a disability. She's like, actually, you know, kind of okay at sport too. Sport is such a big light, such a big part of um, young Australians' lives. So I think my perception to them was was viewed differently and I think they accepted me more, which made the whole school experience a little bit easier. But yes, I still had to, you know, get my assignments in on time. <laughs> but, but if I was away, I had that support to get extensions and time in class to, I, I had a study line, which meant, so I, I dropped like one subject. So in that time, I was able to complete all my assignments and homework for other tasks. Um, and then, yeah, moving into university afterwards as well is pretty much the same I'm, I'm pretty lucky to have a incredible unions um sports system who's able to to help me manage things and I think for me I've always been um very committed and driven and I'm a little bit of like an organization freak <laughs> I I like to have things in my control and I think that's definitely a positive and a negative sometimes but yeah just being able to focus on time management I think it's absolutely crucial for everyone but especially student athletes it's it's so hard and it's so easy to become overwhelmed with everything you have to do but at the end of the day we're just like everyone else and being able to lean on people for support is okay and not being able to you know take it all in and and then you know just boiling to a point where you can't handle it anymore. So having people in your corner is pretty vital and has definitely helped me get to where I am. I have definitely not gone through this journey alone. So leaning on others has, yeah, definitely gotten me to where I am. Yeah, no, it's lovely to hear. Um, you touched on having to get classified earlier, and this is something that I've always been wanting to know. Would you be allowed to compete in like able-bodied races? Yeah, so I can compete in ab- able-bodied competitions, yeah. um, but able-bodied athletes can't pe- compete in Paralympic competitions yeah. unless they, you know, have, have a disability or become classified. Paralympic athletes have done it before. They have been to the Olympics and Paralympics, which is absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. And for me, I train with a predominantly able-bodied club. There's one other Paralympian, Brendan Hall, who I train with, who's um, pretty exceptional as well. But we train with a lot of open water swimmers because um, we're kind of distant swimmers. And I think it's really awesome being able to train with able-bodied athletes because, again, in that environment, we're not seen as mm. having a disability or any different. We're just treated like everyone else. And it really pushes us to work harder and um, get faster to try and keep up. And for a lot of times, I, I do compete in able-bodied competitions. I'm not quite as fast as everyone, the top level athletes. So um, I don't want to be negative, but I don't know if I could actually get to the Olympics. Um, But yeah, I I definitely do a lot of able-bodied competitions to yeah, kind of have a different playing field and it always pushes me harder to, to do more and get faster and I do stick with with them um sometimes so yeah it's it's pretty cool 
what does that sort of do for your, I guess, your whole mindset, you know, and that you're training with these people who, I guess, are classified as able-bodied athletes, but you're still keeping up with them and still, I guess, pushing pushing them to get better and all that sort of stuff. What is, how does that affect you? Not Sorry, not affect you, but how does that help you with your preparation to for your races? Yeah, immensely. I think, yeah, it, it definitely works both ways. So we definitely help push each other. You know, if it's a day I'm feeling good and I'm trying to like, you know, I'm doing good times, I'm pushing everyone else. And then, you know, some of the athletes, if I'm beating them, I'm like, well, come on, what are you doing? You need to push yourself harder. And then they're like, oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> we don't want lucky beating us. So, um, yeah, it, it's good to kind of have that banter and that environment it just makes training so much easier and yet kind of keeping each other accountable really helps. And it definitely definitely pushes us to, to go harder. I think sometimes, I, I think personally, if I trained with a whole entire squad with, with athletes with a disability, it, it would be cool. Like I love going away with our team, but I think sometimes you may become a bit complacent. Whereas being with, you know, my able-bodied teammates kind of pretty much almost 24 seven, it, it's really good. It, it always gets me to push harder and kind of try things that I wouldn't necessarily do. And you know, I, I hate being left behind, so I make it my mission to to keep up and and pass them and and work ten times harder than everyone else. We touched on before how you had that goal of reaching the um, twenty sixteen um, Rio Olympics. The Olympics comes around that year. What was that feeling like when you found out you, that you had achieved that goal? that you had set for yourself for ages? It's pretty hard to put into words, I guess, that feeling. It was at the national trials in 2016. I Just a few weeks before the trials, I think it was nine weeks or something, I had just changed coaches um, at the time from, from where I was at. We were kind of going through a bit of a rough patch and that whole entire environment wasn't for me. So it was quite stressful leading into the trials because, you know, the whole past four years putting all in this effort and I was like, is it going to happen now? I don't know if I'll be able to to get there. So I decided though that I wasn't going to give up. I worked way too hard to just let this dream go. So I found another coach and and he he's extraordinary. I'm still with him today. And he pushed me 10 times harder than I've ever trained before and felt like vomiting every single session. I'm like, if this is what it's like, I don't know if I want any part of it. But um, I quickly realized that this is what it takes to be an elite athlete and to get to that next level. So yeah, training under him until national trials and I'd swum the fastest I'd ever done at that stage and absolutely blipped all my personal best times to, to rank me within top three, top five in the world. So after then the competition, um, getting the announcement that I had made that Paralympic team, it was just kind of... I don't know, I just felt like this whole feeling, like everything just went like light, like I had just achieved, you know, this lifelong goal. And whilst I, you know, still hadn't got there yet, I hadn't gone to the games. But just having that, you know, just being told that I would be able to follow my dream further and actually, you know, get to attend the Paralympics and see what I could do, it was quite exhilarating. And I think just then at that moment, it was like everything that I had worked hard for the past four years leading to this moment was worth it. And then again, you know, coming to the games and yeah, yeah, smashing it. It was just kind of quite a euphoric feeling. Just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard yeah. to put into words <laughs> and to describe the feeling at that moment. But yeah, I, I felt on top of the world, really. Did you have any expectations going to that? 
I, obviously you've broken some of the PBs that you set for yourself and like you're swimming really well. Did you sort of have any expectations or did you just sort of want to go in there just whatever happens, happens really? I think going into the games, so I, I had been on the national team, I guess, two years prior um, to that. And I'd, I'd done well at international competitions, but I still don't think I had reached my potential. And there was still so much more that I could achieve. So going now into the games with a new coach, a new mindset, completely um, new focus, I definitely had these expectations on what I wanted to achieve. I think being an elite athlete, everybody has their own goals. But I think in terms of the broader audience on the international stage, I still think I was quite an underdog at that stage. I don't think really many people, I guess, knew who I was or what I was capable of doing. And I think that really helped me. Um, That was to my advantage. You know, I knew what I wanted to achieve and I, I wanted to be able to do well as long as I broke my personal best times and did the best that I could I I would be happy and at the end of the day that's all you can do so I think yeah leading in into the games my very first um, event was the 400 meter freestyle on day one of competition and that's my main event and I was going up against the world record holder world champion at that time who'd you know, won that particular event for like the past eight years on the international scene. So she was clearly the favorite, but over time, my 400 was getting, getting quicker and I was just edging just behind her. So even though I was ranked second and they were still like, you know, she's out of the picture. Mm. This is who who's going to win. Everyone else should just not even bother. And I was like, no, like I, re- I remember standing on the blocks behind just, just before we were about to race and in the marching room before we we're about to go out. I remember thinking to myself, like, lucky you have not trained the past four years and you didn't come all this way to come second. Like let's, let's show them what I'm capable of. And I think fr- from then, you know, diving on the blocks, you know, the, the starting gun goes and at 400 metres is eight laps of the pool um, in, a, in a 50 metre pool. And, and for me, she was just in front in that first hundred. And then after that, I was kind of just saying to myself, long and strong, long and strong. That's kind of my cues. I say in my head to go faster and just thinking about my technique and kind of putting the curtains up, not trying to, to look at her. But every lap I was edging further and further in front and it kind of got to that last lap and I kind of knew that I was in front and I just had like this weird feeling like, oh my God, like I'm going to do it. And then I touched the wall um, and I was 25 metres in front of her and, and then I looked at my time, I was cheering, I'd done like a five second PB and then I saw that I count, I'd come first and then saw that I'd broken the world record by 0.11 of a second. So, yeah, it was absolutely exhilarating. And I think it was a moment I'll never forget kind of cementing my spot. And, yeah, it really just showed, you know, with hard work comes achievements and and results. And then I guess kind of, yeah, being able to to show everyone back home and all my supporters that helped me get to where I was, um, to where I was at that stage, that um, with their help I could do it and then yeah it, it was just such a surreal experience that whole entire games and at, at that time I was an underdog and then from then on it was kind of like I was the hunter yeah <laughs> so it, it was quite different from then on so you're 16 at this time are you um just turned 17 17 yeah. so you're 17 years old and you just been you've just probably become a gold medalist at Paralympics the Olympics that you the a goal you set since you, I guess, started swimming. 
what was going through your mind when you realized that you were that far in, in front of her? Was it just, cause I know for me personally, if I was, to, if I was that far ahead, I would just started like, just already started celebrating. Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty easy to become complacent, which you don't want. I think in a race, it's never over until it's literally over and you've touched the world. So even though in that final turn to, to come home in that final 50, I did see that I was a little bit in front of her, but I wasn't sure how much. So I was just like, okay, keep pushing, push, push, push until you get to that wall and then you can celebrate. And, and then I realized how far in front I was at that stage. Yeah, it, it was absolutely unbelievable. I think, yeah, that whole experience, but then just that moment of relief. Like I, I was honestly shocked. I, I didn't know, like, yes, I, I thought I was capable of doing something like that, but you never really know if it's going to happen. And if, if your dream race is going to come together in that instance like that, I don't know about you, but, but I see a lot of swimmers or, you know, athletes, like they're smashing the water, they're celebrating, like they're on the lane ropes. Like for me, I've never been someone to do that. I kind of just, you know, in, internally celebrate. And I was still trying to process what had just happened. Mm. So I, I was honestly so shocked. I could not believe what had just happened and just, yeah, that feeling of what I had said to my mum four years prior watching those London games and just kind of soaking in at that moment that I had done it. Yeah, I've been working hard for it, but for for it to actually come to fruition. And yeah, it, it was quite surreal and quite an experience. It was just, yeah, incredibly humbling. Yeah, no, that's, that's so sick. So you, you mentioned how before, I guess, you came into the, that race or that competition, not really having that many people, their eyes on you and sort of being the underdog in that race and all that sort of stuff. And then obviously when you won the race, it became, you became the hunted. What, what was that feeling like? Obviously going from someone who hasn't, doesn't really have any expectations on themselves from or from the outside, but obviously you have ex- a lot of expectations on yourself. Now people are actually trying to chase after you and trying to beat your records and trying to beat you in a race. How's that sort of kept you not only humble, but also sticking to a goal and sticking to sort of what you've already done in the past? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely very hard and it, it can be difficult having these external pressures put onto you. But I think for me, just trying to remove that um, from the picture, like I, I can't control what anybody else is doing. All I can do is focus on my my controllables and how I train and how I prepare and in a way it has driven me even more because I I'm training knowing that other people are out there as well working equally as hard to try and beat me and I don't want that to happen so I'm working 10 times harder to to get to that stage but also I would like to say I'm quite a humble person I don't um, like to get wrapped up in you know bad sportsmanship and and negativity so if somebody else beats me on the day then you know congratulations to them they've worked incredibly hard and but if i know that i've come second doing my best then bad luck i'll, I'll try again next time but i know that i've given it everything that i have yeah it's incredibly important to just i don't know time at times just kind of take yourself out of the situation and and remain humble in, in who you are as a person and i think i've been i've grown up you know, in those kind of situations and coming from where I have has really shaped the person that I am today. And I think that definitely helps me remain humble and gracious for all the, you know, opportunities that I've been given and with hard work also kind of being able to, to get there and reach that stage. So yeah, it, it is a, a different experience being the hunted instead of the hunter, but it equally drives me just as much. 
So the Olympic Village, it's a, it's one of those things that a lot of athletes talk about. And how's your experience been from the Olympic Village, and sort of what <laughs> things can you sort of say? Obviously, you obviously weren't old enough to go out and all that sort of stuff <laughs> when you're over there. But can you sort of just touch on some of the things that you guys got up to, and or even just some of the other athletes in the other countries? Yeah, it's it's definitely a pretty surreal experience to be a part of. Like you're you're literally at, at that time you're you're one of the best in the world, and being just literally surrounded by greatness, it's such an incredible and overwhelming feeling. Totally incredible. And well, for me, swimming um, in Rio, I was competing pretty much every single day, and um, swimming finishes the day before the closing ceremony. So really, we only have one day at the end to kind of explore and go see other sports or explore the village a bit because you know in in your competition time frame you're just trying to focus on your races um not get out too much kind of limit walking where you can because it's massive and you you kind of feel like a little kid at a candy store like you just want to go see everything and experience everything but you've got to remember you're there to do a job first and then afterwards you can celebrate so once we finally finished and yeah, we can just kind of like <laughs> let our hair down a little bit, kind of mingle with um, people from other countries. And yeah, it's, it's so exciting. Like the whole experience, it's phenomenal. And, and then, you know, being able to be a part of the closing ceremony ceremony, once the competition has finished, it's yeah, just kind of a, a, a massive celebration of the, humility, the perseverance, the resilience and what it's taken to get to that stage and celebrating the week that was the triumphs or, you know, overcoming setbacks and just being able to, I guess, confide in other people who have experienced these things just as much as you have. And what I love about the Paralympic Games is everybody has a story. Everybody has come from somewhere and it's incredible to just meet all these different athletes. And again, puts things into perspective for you and just being able to kind of, yeah, I don't know, just like immerse yourself within the different diversity of, of the world and being able to get to know different people that you wouldn't necessarily get to meet and have, have a talk, have a yarn and see what everyone else is doing. And then, you know, you're able to celebrate and have your little parties and whatnot. You touched on the Paralympics and it being a place where you can sort of meet new people and people that you probably wouldn't have seen before. I guess the growth of the Paralympics has been pretty huge and obviously more people starting to watch and more people sort of starting to recognise and all that sort of stuff. As a young kid who had, a, I guess, a dream of going to the Olympics and winning a gold medal, how far do you reckon it's come and sort of where do you guys reckon you can go next with it? Honestly, it, it has grown exceptionally. Like it, even from just when I started and it definitely, I, I really do thank all those pioneers um, in the Paralympic movement that got it to where it is today because initially like it was so hard to you know set it up and and be recognized and the Paralympics mean parallel to the Olympics so running alongside the Olympics and you know initially it was so hard to be recognized people that had a disability in society were were shunned and recognized as less than um, which is really quite unfortunate you know, they were seen as, you know, not being able to live a life, which is really quite sad. And, and it has grown so much, even for me at 
before I was 13, I wasn't really exposed to it because we didn't have that education and that awareness that we do today. And I think through the rise of social media and internet and, you know, new ways to connect with people, we've been able to um, boost the profile of Paralympic athletes and the achievements and really kind of influence others and share our platform. And that's something that I love having today to, to where I am and, you know, being pretty fortunate to have all these social media platforms that we can share our message and inspire other people. And I think for me from London, that was a very pivotal moment in, in the Paralympic scene. We, we'd had Paralympics beforehand, but this one was the biggest we'd ever had, um, the most media attention. And, and from then on, it has grown and, and it's still growing and that's what I like to see. And even from having, I think, the, the Commonwealth Games in 2018 on the Gold Coast, being that at home games, for me personally, I know competing at games and speaking to people since then, it, even by that stage, so many people in Australia were not aware of Paralympic sports or I guess the, the abilities and capabilities that we have rather than just seeing the disabilities because the, the awareness isn't there, the education isn't there. And I think it's really important that um, it, it's just the same with, you know, cultural diversity and being able to immerse people in these different areas of life and, and show, I think it really starts at that younger level, being able to teach our kids that diversity is normal and, you know, everybody's different. No two people are the same. And I think that's the beauty of life and just being able to embrace our differences and the, the earlier we're able to communicate that to other people, I think that's the moment change starts to occur. And I think, yeah, it's, it's still growing even more so. So I, I would I would love to see you know, more media attention, more funding, equal treatment for everyone because, you know, we're humans at the end of the day, just like everyone else. We're working the same as everyone else, if not 10 times harder, just to get to where we are and to make ends meet. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting space that we're in and I think um, inclusion and diversity are, are definitely growing with strengths to strength. That's so true and hopefully it can continue to grow and gain um, a bit more media coverage over the years. Um, so we've reached the main um, section of the podcast where it's just chatting about a time you faced a challenge, setback or failure, sort of how it affected you, what you learned from it and sort of any advice you'd be willing to offer. That's a hard question. It's it's hard to pinpoint one point in my life. I think I've, I've faced some tough things a lot, um, <laughs> but I think probably initially, you know, just, just starting out on my Paralympic career, and, you know, being younger and being told that because I have a disability that I'm not worthy, I think that was really hard to hear because at the time I'm growing up with my two sisters, you know, all these people around me who don't view me any differently, the people that I love and are in my corner, but then there's, you know, these outside people that have no idea who I am. They don't know what I'm capable of doing and, I think at that moment, it really drove me to prove them wrong. I, I like to say that I'm not disabled, I'm uniquely abled. I have, you know, unique abilities to everyone else and that's my strengths and, and I think that helps me move forward. But there, there's definitely been low times, I think definitely, you know, late teenage years, late high school, early uni, where it's just mentally really tough I think 
being on the grind every day, six days a week, it, it can be quite draining as well. And you get to a point where you're like, why am I doing this? Like everything kind of boils to a point and it's hard to keep it in anymore. And I definitely know that I've, I've struggled with, with things like that, just like many other people have. And I guess so often I try to handle situations on my own and not let anybody else help me. And I think a lot of people do that as well, um, fall victim to that, which is unfortunate. But being able to confide in other people and have the courage to just ask someone for help has definitely been a saviour for me. And I have had, you know, family members and and friends who have been through quite severe mental health issues and um, unfortunately tried to take their own life. And, and it's been difficult because they thought that they couldn't confide in anyone and, and that's challenging and I would hate anybody to feel like that. So I think for me, being able to trust the people closest to me and, and be able to tell them how I'm feeling and then get the help that I need at that moment, I think was a game changer and being able to tap into, you know, psychologist services. And I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to be able to have that through the Queensland Academy of Sport and um, my sporting organisations. They've definitely helped me create these, you know, in, enhance my um, mental health toolkit and give me these, I guess, resources and tools and how I can become mentally stronger and tougher. And I think now I'm so passionate about it because I think it's such an important topic that, that we're all going through. And I think, you know, with the age of social media and everything developing like that, it, it has its positives, but also its negatives. I think so many people can easily, you know, see all these things and that can impact them in negative ways. Like, you know, I don't look like that or I'm different or, you know, it, it can be anything going on in your life really. Um, so yeah, I, I would urge other people that, it's so important and it's okay to, to ask for help and don't ever feel like you're in and alone or any problem is too small or too big because it, it's not, um, you're definitely worthy and there's people, pretty incredible people around you that, that can help you get through this. It may not be easy, but nothing worthwhile comes easy. This life was not meant to be easy, unfortunately. Um, God says here to challenge us. So we're just trying to do the best that we can and being able to, that, that for me, like being able to, to lean on, on him and my faith as well as my support networks has really helped. And I think I urge other people to do the same thing. It, it definitely feels a lot better once, once you can, can reach out and make it to the other side. You, you touched on, um, I guess, at the start when people, when you sort of started your Paralympic career and sort of started trying to find your why or even trying to compete with your why, when people were, trying to, when people were telling you that you're not worthy while you're having your siblings tell you why and that you're, you're not different, you're the same as all of us. So how did that affect you like, mentally? Yeah, quite conflicting because, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing these people say these negative things about me and then you know my family saying don't worry about it like you're amazing and then for me like it was hard because yeah I'm hearing these two different things but at the end of the day I had to try and figure out who I was as a person and and where I stood and I think that's hard I think so many people go through those challenges trying to trying to figure that out 
And I think for me, that's where I could lean on swimming and that's where I felt most comfortable. And once I started to, to do that and kind of put myself in that situation and swim more, like I felt more confident. And then I was able to figure out who I was and swimming for me was a real mental escape just as much as it was um, a physical escape. So I would do all my thinking there <laughs> um, pretty much whatever I'm facing in the day. As soon as I dive in, my problems kind of wash away with the bubbles. Yeah, I think that that's where I was able to kind of develop the strength, overcoming all the all these little things and all the people in my head trying to tell me who I am or who I'm not. It, it takes time to figure out those things and it's definitely not an easy journey. But I think, yeah, kind of overcoming all of that, I was able to embrace who I was and, and kind of have the courage to stand up to everyone else and say like, okay, well, that's your opinion. Um, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong, but I'm going to show you why I'm right. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty powerful. And that kind of instilled that strength in me to, to keep going and work harder so that I could achieve those things that I set out to do and show these people like you were wrong <laughs> um, kind of thing. And that doesn't go to say that I don't have days still where, you know, times are tough and you feel like crap and you don't want to keep going. Well, like, why am I pushing my body like this? Or these people are saying this, they're saying that. But yeah, just trying to kind of set them aside. And, and I, I look at them in this point of view of, of they're a minority. They're not everybody. They don't know me. So why should I let their opinion affect me so much? And I think that's something that I've definitely developed over time, especially, you know, being on the international stage as an elite athlete and experiencing, you know, cyberbullying and all those kinds of things. They're hard, but it's definitely shaped me into who I am. And now I'm able to kind of brush those things aside and not take it in as much. Yeah, it's definitely helped me become more mentally strong. You touched on... um before asking for help and I guess the low times that you you face while you're sort of going through all that all the I guess the struggles of training and I guess life in general a lot of most of my most of the people who have been on this podcast are athletes or people who play sport and have used sport as a I guess like you said as a mental escape and I know you've touched on it a fair bit what's role that sport play in sort of I guess what you use to cope yeah it was it was a massive part of my life and of my therapy and I think yeah so many people if at that time if you don't have the courage to to speak to someone about how you're feeling you're kind of able to immerse yourself into your sport and I think that's why it's such a great escape and everybody should do it even if it is just recreational like you know, not everybody has to represent Australia and and that's okay but I guess just having something that you can set aside for you and it might not even be sport it might be you know like playing an instrument or reading a book or or drawing or playing chess or something just kind of having your own thing your own hobby that you can kind of escape from reality for a little bit and and just immerse yourself and just be able to relax I think it's so important yeah for me it it was swimming and it was a major deal breaker and yeah just being able to kind of let loose and relax and just think but not think at the same time um I don't know if you know what I mean but yeah no, no yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of having something to set aside and relax I think it's it's so important and then sometimes if that's being around other people that's really good or if you just want your own quiet time I think it's really important to, to find something that you enjoy that you can kind of escape from you touched on why you want to, why am I continuing to put my body through all this sort of stuff? 
Were there times that you sort of just wanted to not necessarily quit, but have a long extended break from everything and just sort of, I guess, go back to concentrating on being lucky and just being you and completing uni? Yeah, definitely. I I definitely know what you mean. I think it's it's hard, and I, I think it's happened quite quite a few times <laughs> in my career so far, and I, I predict it'll keep happening um, <laughs> because you know that's life. And I think after Rio, in the lead up to Rio, once I'd you know made the team and stuff, there, there was quite a bit of drama going around in terms of like classification and cyberbullying and and things like that. And for me, I I started swimming because I loved it and because it made me feel better. I was able to get through, you know, the day pain-free. And yeah, that, that was my real reason why I started it. And then competing was just an added bonus. So kind of in that year of Rio, it was like, what am I doing this for? What is the purpose? I did not sign up for all this other stuff that, that's associated with being an elite athlete. And, and it was harder after the games. I was like, okay, I've been to one. I've achieved my goal. That's it. I'm done. But I think having then some time off after the games to kind of relax and kind of being around all my teammates and my friends and, you know, everybody was so proud of me for what I had achieved. And, and it was really quite humbling and, and I really appreciated that. But yeah, I just needed a little bit of time out to, to kind of regroup. And, and I've realized that, you know, this is what I want to do and I, I can't just give up now. <laughs> I think swimming will always be in my life in one capacity or another, but I, I, I still had things that I wanted to achieve and, and to prove to people. And I'm really glad that I didn't give up right then and there because I would really regret it, I think. How did you sort of deal with the cyberbullying and everything that comes out, comes from being a professional athlete off the pitch or out of the swimming pool, sorry. I think it's definitely hard. I've definitely been through those struggles, but well, I, I know for, for me in particular, I'm fortunate in the way that, well, not fortunate, para, the Paralympics don't receive as much publicity in terms of we're not on TV every single day like our football stars and we're not playing games every single weekend. So we're not having that kind of publicity, but each sport in its own right has its own, you know, fans and like, people that watch or comment and keyboard warriors and things like that. It is hard when, you know, these, these people that have no idea who you are and they don't know what you have been through and, and it's any issue really. Yeah. Like with me having disability, yeah. Other people with, you know, gender racism, like it's, it's so disgusting to see, to be honest. And it's quite sad and shocking because it's so easy for other people to have an opinion but not immerse themselves in our situations. Like at the end of the day, we are humans just like everyone else. We're just trying to go about our life. But I guess being an elite athlete and being on that stage, you are, you know, you, you do create a profile for yourself and there's always going to be people out there that have an opinion on you, whether you like it or not. And I think for me, it was really hard around 2016, 2017, and so, some stages last year as well, kind of trying to deal with that. Like just when I think, you know, yes, I'm mentally strong. Like I don't care what anyone else thinks, but really like I have bad dates too. And and it does impact you 
But I think, yeah, somebody put it into perspective for me and, and mentioned that whilst it may seem like the whole world is against you saying these things, realistically, they are only a minority group and they don't know you personally. They don't know your story. They don't know what you've been through. So why do you let their opinion matter? And I think that was quite a pivotal step for me in realising and kind of overcoming that mental barrier to kind of keep going because I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like all the people that I care about and that know me, that's, that's all that matters. That's, they're the people that I aim to please. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's definitely helped me emerge. And so now when, you know, people say these things, yeah, it might hurt a little bit, but I don't take it on board as much because I'm like, well, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, whether they, whether we agree with it or not. But yeah, it, I, I don't let it affect me as much now because I'm able to move on and, and disregard what they think. Yeah, yeah, that's really good to hear. Thanks, thanks so much for sharing that. I, I really, really do appreciate it. And sort of good to hear sort of what you've gone through. And obviously I didn't really know much about Paralympics before having this conversation, but it's good to get a bit more of it, um, education on it. And no, I'm really glad to sort of get you on and have a chat about your life and sort of your story and sort of your amazing achievements on how setting a goal in advance to reach championship like the Olympics and to actually do it and then not only do it but also smash it is like it's unreal and it's definitely gonna help a lot of people. So now thanks so much for um sharing your story. Before I wrap up, what's sort of one lesson I guess you learnt from that whole challenge of um, becoming a professional Paralympian or professional athlete really? Oh, that's so hard. Um, yeah, I feel like I've definitely learnt a lot. I think the main thing is just, I guess if I could give anyone advice, it's just stay true to yourself and and who you are. You know, focus on what you can do. Like there's always going to be this external pressure, um, external circumstances, but you have the power to control how you react and how you approach situations. So, you know, all you can do is focus on you. Um, not to say that you can, you know, obviously you can, you know, have friends and support and things, but at the end of the day, it's up to you to put in that hard work to get to where you want to go if you want to achieve those goals. So you've got to be able to put in that work. Try not to let other people impact you. I've been through that roller coaster before and, and I'm sure I, I still will, but yeah, kind of trying to put it into the perspective of what I was taught is, you know, it's just that minority group, you know, their opinion doesn't matter. So as long as you can do what you can do, I think that's the most powerful thing and success is the best revenge. So yeah. show them what you're capable of in a more humble respect, a better field than, you know, retaliating because, you know, that's what they want. So so not kind of giving in to, to their power and showing you, showing them the strength that you can hold is the most valuable thing you can do. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And that's such a, that's so true. Just be you and stay true to yourself and don't worry about what other people say to you or think about you. And like you said, the best revenge is success. So I absolutely love that. Thanks so much for coming on, Lakeisha. I really, once again, I really, really do appreciate it. And I loved hearing your story and sort of everything you've been through. And hopefully next year you can go to um, Tokyo and come back home with some more gold medals for us. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to be here today.